We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold and the draft. My name is Mike Wendland. Gage Bridgeford's joining me this evening as we continue our draft coverage on the Pack a Day Podcast. And today we're turning it toward the interior defensive line. we got some big guys to talk about, literally and figuratively, with what they can bring into the NFL. And Gage, looking forward to this one, as it's always fun to try and critique line play and when neither of us are really linemen. But these are four good players who I think are going to be pretty good pros in the NFL. They're, uh, they're coming out of a blue blood program in Georgia, where ne- neither one of us are neither one of us are offense, or offensive or defensive line guys, but at the same time we are we can use our eyes pretty effectively to see, yeah, no, these guys are probably going to be pretty damn good when it comes to the NFL. And with that, when you talk about Georgia, so we're just going to jump right in. We're going to start with two or four prospects, and they were teammates for the Georgia Bulldogs, Devontae White and Jordan Davis, two guys who I've seen mocked a lot to Green Bay, especially White, because no one's expecting Davis to drop to 22 or 28, because, I mean, that guy's just a freak of nature athletically. But we'll start with Devontae White, Gage, and... Guy was productive. He's got all the athletic tools. He's a bit old for what you'd expect from the Packers' usual routine, but with the last couple years being weird in college football, why it's a guy where do you think he's in play for the Packers, and what do you think of the player? You know, I think he's a talented player. I do think he is a little older at, like, he's 24. He's going to be 24 when he's drafted, which is definitely on the older side of things. But he was a talented player when he was at, Georgia, and I also think that while his best fit would probably be in a 4-3 as one of the interior linemen, I think playing him off of a guy like Kenny Clark would be a role he could thrive in because he just did do that exact thing. He was thriving off of Jordan Davis's, and obviously the scheme is different, but you had Kenny, you have Kenny Clark in the middle. He could go ahead and clog up a lot of the middle blockers, and then Devontae Wyatt then gets uh, plus matchups on the outside. And Wyatt uh, measuring in when he's at the combine, six, just under, just over six, two and a half, three oh four, uh, broad jumped nine foot three, one point six ten yard split. That's great for defensive tackle. Three cone. He showed good agility in seven four five there. Again, take for a great assault, but his RAS score nine five eight. The guy is 
extremely athletic, and maybe it's he's a little more mature physically than some of these other guys, but you see that 9-3 broad, that's an explosive player, and he did show up in their biggest games for Georgia, including the national championship. I remember hearing his name a lot in the, in the, in the college football playoffs this past year. The main thing that I like about him is his explosiveness, and I also like the fact that he's a little – I like that he's – even though he's a little on the smaller side at 304, that's – I think that's a good thing because I think that Green Bay has shown that they're willing to take those kind of smaller defensive ends, like Dean Lowry, definitely not the biggest guy out there, and Tyler Lancaster was a little bit on the bigger side, and I wasn't ever a big Tyler Lancaster fan. So I think if you have a guy like Devontae Wyatt who can kind of shoot gaps, can get in there, has a great first step, as you mentioned, he's – 97th percentile in the 10-yard split uh, among defensive tackles over the last 23 years, I believe it is. That's pretty good company to be in. We've all seen the explosiveness and the quick first step that Kenny Clark has where it sometimes looks like he's jumping off sides on every play because he's just getting that good of a jump. Uh, pairing him with another first step quickness guy in Wyatt is a great, great move because then the defense, the offensive line really has to be like if they don't get a good jump on the ball, you're going to have two defensive defensive linemen sitting in your backfield. Exactly, and I think the big thing I like about Wyatt, and I'm reading from the Draft Network, uh, they broke him down, and he's their highest rated interior defensive lineman. And this is this is from uh, Brentley Wiseman. Plays with excellent effort, fights to the whistle, will uncover to the very end, chases backside, and also shows good IQ. He's an instinctual player and never gets trapped and rarely is caught on misdirection. That's something that the Packers need. You can't let your defensive linemen or your edge guys be caught flat-footed on a misdirection play or a toss play and have a blocker come weak side and knock him out. If you get a defensive lineman who can hold the point and not be fooled, sometimes that's enough to win the down. And Wyatt seems to be that kind of guy. Yeah, the, uh, he definitely is a – at 24, you really need your guys to be smart, heady players, and they need to take advantage – like because obviously there's a limited timeline to be good in this game. And when you're 24 and you're coming in, you have to catch on early. That's why it was so important that Burrow hasn't – like Joe Burrow hasn't struggled in Cincinnati. It's he's He was on the older side. Everybody made jokes that Sam Darnold is – I'm pretty sure Sam Darnold is still younger – than Joe Burrow or it was something something dumb like that. But Devontae Wyatt, a little on the older side, he has shown the mental outside of the game isn't too big for him with his ability to not get blocked out. He has a wide variety of pass moves uh, with uh, hand counters, and he, can, he isn't going to blow you off the ball with his hands, but he can chop your hands away, get him out, get him off, or get your hands off of him and then get past you and get to the quarterback. So he, while the Packers scheme isn't too big on gap shooting defensive linemen, it's never a bad thing to have a guy that can rush the passer. And even if he doesn't become like a three-down guy right away, he's a guy who you can bring in on third downs. You, you, so, I mean, Dean Lowry's a, a solid little player, but you don't want him as one of your pass rushers on third downs, really. You want him to hold a point and let Kenny Clark get free. Wyatt and Clark could be a good um, hand-down duo with Rashawn Gary on third downs. At least at least it seems like to me he's that kind of fit. What, where would you see him fitting in Green Bay? If, if they were to pick him, where would his role be as a rookie? Uh, as a rookie, he's more than likely going to fall into the category of just being a, I think, occasional pass rusher, like maybe as, an, as a like third down type of guy just early on because they still have, if I'm not mistaken, they still have Dean Lowry for whatever reason. I'm... As everybody knows, I'm not a big Dean Lowry fan. He, I understand he had a great year last year, but not the point. 
you probably you'd have Dean Lowry and Kenny Clark as your two primary starters. That third starting spot would presumably be open. All there, although Jerron Reed is there now too. Um, they also added, or they had, who was it last year that had a very that had a good year yeah, T- overall? TJ Slayton. Uh, Slayton showed some flashes last year. So there are some bodies that are going to be there that could kind of clog up that room, but that also means that you can bring him along and allow him to do the things that he does well as a rookie while he develops moving down the line. So I think that in Green Bay, he would probably slot in as a like as a pass rush only style guy early on, and then maybe by the end of the year he takes somebody's spot. Fair enough. So let's move on to one of his teammates who we talk about why being maybe a little undersized for like a position. This guy is the exact opposite of that. Jordan Davis, 6'6", 341, and possibly the best defensive lineman athletically to come through the combine since Don Terry Poe. Like, his testing numbers are off the charts absurd. And he, even in some highlight clips you watch, he, you see a, a man among boys in the SEC. He needs a lot of work with his pass rush, but you can you can work on teaching that. I think I trust Montgomery to teach him that. But, I mean, Jordan Davis is one of those rare athletes who could be a difference maker on the defensive line. And I think that he's a guy that can be a difference maker on day one. I don't think that he is a guy that's going to need to come in and take some time to make an impact. I understand that, obviously, he's not going to be the best pass rusher out of the gate, but I think that's more that he just hasn't had to do that than the fact that he can't do it. I think that they've had a lot of the Georgia has had a lot of good edge rushers. They like to use their linebackers to blitz and get involved in that way. So Jordan's job was, hey, soak up blockers, make the deep, make the offensive line unable to protect you, penetrate on rundowns, and just do your job. So I think that that's all he was he needed to do there. I think that he can do even more, especially if he's given the opportunity to do so. And while he's not pass rushing, he's going to go ahead and be an absolute force in the run game wherever you put him. I think that he would be he would immediately try challenge for a starting spot on the off or on the defensive line just from the simple standpoint of he's so darn good in the run. He had he only had 11 and a half tackles for loss in 4 years, but that doesn't tell the story because he was doing so much more than that that just didn't show up in the stat sheet. His ability to get in the backfield and and soak up multiple blockers was just Obscene, but then when you factor in he's six six three eight six six and three eighths and three hundred forty one pounds, it makes sense why they have to dedicate multiple blockers to the guy who, as you said, looked like a mountain of a man or a man amongst boys in the SEC. And he was actually played bigger than that a lot of time at Georgia. He he cut weight for the combine and came in at three forty one. There's or I think a person he played was playing it's at times around three sixty five, and he like this this guy is just and he and he and he makes it look. Normal. He's not a huge gut guy. He's not a guy who's gonna be looks like looks like Big Tony from the longest yard. Like he is a big, powerful guy. And again, using scouting reports from 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 scouts that we trust, he is immovable in the line. You're not gonna get him off the ball. He is gonna even if you just have him hold the spot, you're not getting this guy out of the way. It's it's just. It's it's a freaky trait that many guys don't have, and I mean comparisons are I've seen Derek Brown. There's obviously guys like Marcel Darius you can see there, but this guy, there's a reason why everyone thinks he's gonna go top fifteen. Like there's just something else. 
And if he can be even position versatile, he can play nose, if he can play end, and let Kenny be a chess piece. And, I mean, if you have a three-man line on a base of TJ Slayton, Kenny Clark, and Jordan Davis, that's over a 1,000 pounds of human being that you're trying to move off the line of scrimmage. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that's not something that's going to – like, you're not moving these guys. These they're, they're not – simply put, they're not getting moved. It's not a, oh, we might get some push here. No, you're just – they're not moving them. TJ Slayton already has shown his ability to be a good run defender as a rookie. We've already seen – we know how good he is. Jordan Davis, every time I read a scouting breakdown of him of, from somebody else, I, all I see is – yeah, he's not the most ladder he's not the most laterally agil or lateral agility based guy, but when you look at the fact of how big he is, he's extremely lateral or like he's extremely he, he's great at moving side to side. Every single time that someone has to have a negative on him, they then have to factor in just how big he is and then they're like, "Okay, well maybe it's actually really impressive to see what he's doing." It's like, "Yeah, that that's like guys, you have to just start factoring in he's really big, so even if he's not moving side to side as quickly as a guy who weighs 40 pounds less than him. He's doing it pretty close to that while weighing nearly 350 pounds. The guy is a humongous human being and then an absolutely special athlete. Like you said, everything is off the charts when it comes to his athletic measurables. 99th percentile on the broad jump, 97th in the 40, 83rd 10-yard split, 93rd hand size. He's got 80th percent vertical jump. There, There isn't a comparable player to him in the history of mock draftable. The closest comparison is Travis Jones, who we'll talk about here in a minute, with a 68% comparison score. It's just, they don't build them like they built this guy. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. They don't, and you look at, like, you talk about that explosion. His, his RAS score is a perfect 10.0. Elite across the board, 47840 at 341. 10 foot 3 broad jump, 32 inch vertical at 6'6, 341. 163 10 yard split shows he can get off the ball. Like this, they, they, there is no player like this. The closest comparison as far as RAS score is Kevin Williams, who was an 8.6, and Lawrence Okoye, who was a rugby player who came over to the NFL. There is no player like this in the NFL. There just isn't. And if he can harness the talent he has even more than he has at Georgia, and I and again, I trust Jerry Montgomery to do that if he does end up in Green Bay, this defense it could be even better than what we saw in that playoff game. This team, this he could be, again, he is an all-pro level talent if he can harness everything. He keeps his conditioning and, and on check. And he and he learns a couple more pass rush things and hones everything. He's a guy who can absolutely wreck entire game plans. It's exactly why sometimes even if the fit isn't perfect or the player isn't 100 percent flawless, you take him because the potential is there. In round one, you're looking for ceilings. And Jordan Davis, because he's nearly six, he's nearly six foot six and a half, can touch a lot of that ceiling, and he can reach a lot of that. And I think that even if he's not a flawless fit in a four and a three four, which Green Bay runs modern fronts and most teams run a, a variety of looks anyway, just get good players in the building and figure it out later. Because if you can't make Jordan Davis work, then your scheme is wrong. That's a, that's a good way to put it, and I'm with you there. So let's move on from the SEC to a conference and a program not quite on that level. We're going up to UConn. And we're going to talk about Travis Jones. Uh, Jones, a lot of guy who's been climbing up boards. I know Draft Network doesn't have him that high, but he's been slowly rising. A nine three nine RAS, six four three twenty five. Ran a four nine two. Ran well. Had a good three cone. Showed good agility. Doesn't have the greatest numbers, but I know a lot of people and a lot of people who we've podcasted with and in the packaday atmosphere are really high on Travis Jones. I like him. Uh, he might be in play at twenty eight, and I'm interested to see what the market's going to be in the draft for some of these guys who come from bad programs and bad conferences, but were really good players on those bad teams, especially on the line and what, how scouts and GMs are going to view guys like this. Cause I, I think Travis Jones is going to be a good long time pro. I think he's going to be a good long time pro too. I do. I will say that I'm not the biggest Travis Jones guy on like a lot of other uh, pack a guys just, for a couple of reasons. One being he's very similar to, like, he plays a very similar role uh, to TJ Slayton, who you just drafted last year. And, like, I get people will be like, oh, well, you don't let a good player stop you from drafting a potentially great one. And, yeah, Travis Jones could potentially be a great player. I just think that TJ Slayton, you drafted last year, looked good throughout the year. And when he got his limited reps, I thought that he did a good job and looked like a quality player and looked like a guy that could be around for a long time. Because Jones is primarily going to be a nose tackle guy that plays on the center. He's a run defending guy. He's not necessarily a great pass rusher. He did have four and a half sacks last or 
right? I believe, yeah, four and a half sacks this last year, which is, that's good. He has shown some explosiveness, 88th percentile on the 40, 77th percentile on the broad jump, 80th percentile on the three-cone drill. Those are all great numbers. I just think that it might be drafting a little redundant, no? It could be, but again, you find find ways to make talented players fit in your scheme. I think Jones talented player, again, he's only a junior, came out early. And I, one thing I like as well is, again, this is from uh, Marino at the Draft Network. He came into UConn at 360 pounds. He was 30% body fat. Three years later, he's 325, 13%. So he really took it seriously, got in shape, became a team leader in three years. Again, yeah, he's a better run defender than a pass pass rusher. Keeps the second level uh, clean and open. And he's got the strength to drive things forward and push the line. Again, at 28, I can see it. I mean, I know a lot of people weren't super high on Kenny Clark either when he came out because he didn't have the greatest numbers, even the greatest measurables from UCLA. And at that point, they weren't a great program in the Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever it was at that point. Jones is a guy where... He's shown he's willing to put in the work, and he's shown he's willing to be get better and better. And as a young guy, again, only a junior, I trust that type of player can adapt to the NFL pretty well. One quick thing about Travis Jones, so you mentioned that he's a junior, so he's kind of a junior. Because he went to college for four years, but he opted out of the 2020 season. So he... So he is... Te- so he's a junior in terms of years of eligibility, senior. but he's a senior in terms of years in school. So I did want to point that out, but the he does carry himself extremely well at six, like he's nearly six four and a half, three hundred twenty five pounds. As you mentioned, he got down to thirteen percent body fat. That's extremely impressive, especially doing going from three sixty, drop thirty pounds. That's like I said, it's all well and good. I don't know necessarily if he's going to be the best pass rusher. And so, do you take a guy that might only be a run stuffing defensive tackle in the first round? If you if if you think that he can be more than that, like if you think he can, you can build on his four and a half sacks from the last year, three and a half that he had in 2019. If you can build on that and make him more than just a run defending guy, then absolutely take him at 28. I think it might be a little early, but then again, there's a reason that I'm talking about drafting players and not actually the one that gets turned into draft card. And that's fair. And I think one thing also, I need to go back and watch more tape on him. He may have only had like low, had lower numbers, but how much of that is also playing on a bad UConn team where he's the only guy in that defensive line? So our, our team's scheming to double him every play and make sure he doesn't wreck games. So that, that's one thing to just think about. And it goes for the Georgia guys. He did lead the team in sacks. He, had, he, he, had, he was the only guy with more than two. Yeah, that's – I mean, UConn, UConn's bad. But because, because you look at the Georgia guys – you had Wyatt Davis, uh, Trey Walker. You have another guy who's coming up next year who's going to be who's, who everyone thinks is even better than those three guys. You had Nicobe Dean behind them. That Georgia defense was probably a 22nd, 23rd ranked NFL defense now. But And then the year before that, you even had guys like Eric Stokes and Paris Campbell at corner and Lewis Seen in the secondary. Like That Georgia team was nuts, so you had all these crazy players. A guy like Jones sticking out on a garbage team could really help him. I completely agree with you there. The fact that he was the, like, the team was so bad, he was the only guy with more than two sacks shows just how good he was. Uh, and 
he also played one fewer game than one of the guys that got one and a half sacks, uh, their line, their starting line, team starting linebacker, but we're not talking about him today. Like I said, if Jones, if you think that the, he's shown enough pass rush moves that you can develop that, I am, I got no problem taking him at 28. I just, I'm just, the only thing that worries me is if you think that at the next level, can he rust passer or not? If he can, great. If not, I don't know if, like maybe you try and get him in the second, maybe you try and use uh, a pick to trade up and get him in the early second if you think that he's going to go off the board sooner. Who knows? That's fair. So let's move on to our last guy who's a little bit of a smaller defensive lineman comparatively, a 6'3 and 5'8", 290. That's Perion Winfrey. A Winfrey, he may be lighter, but he's got a huge wingspan and crazy long arms. A 95th percentile in wingspan, 97th in arms. 90th in his 40, 83rd in his 10-yard split. He's a great athlete. And he had good numbers every year in college. He was a good player. But is he – Is he? the question will always be for the Packers, is he too small? For for Is he going to be just a sub-package guy, or can he play in the base? Can he play a three-down guy in a NFL defense with at, at only 290? That is absolutely the biggest question for him. It. He is a smaller guy. He did, he is a former JUCO transfer. So I love the fact that he is coming from, like, he's shown that he's willing to work no matter the situation. So if you draft him and he's not starting right away, the guy's going to come in and put in the work because guess what? He's been doing that. He did that for multiple years while he, when he was in junior college and then he went to Oklahoma, which is known for their defense. They never have been and still had a solid year, put up 11 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, uh, was a senior. Yeah, he's a little smaller, but in the Big 12, you're going to be a little smaller. So maybe he can put on a little weight at six, at nearly six four. He has the size to be able to put on a little bit of weight. And some of his athletic comparables, Davion Nixon, Leonard Williams, Christian Barmore, there, that's some pretty good company there at the uh, top of his measurables chart. And another thing to bring up from going way back in the day, this is from the draft network again, their, uh, their prospect comparison is Darnell Dockett, former Cardinal great. Again, first step guy, shoot the gaps. Dockett wasn't the biggest guy with the Cardinals either. But a guy, again, work, you said worked his way from Juco. Put, much like Travis Jones, he put in the work to get better and worked his way into the Big 12 and was a two-year starter after moving into the Big 12. And you're right, the Big 12 is not known for their defense. They're really not known for winning games when it matters either. But Winfrey showed that he can immediately step in and play in the Big 12. And with the first step, if you can make that kind of move, he could, even if he has a rotational pass rusher, I probably wouldn't go for him in round one personally. But if he's there at 53, or if you even move up a little bit to the mid-40s to trade up and get him, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, again, bring him in on third downs if you need to as a rookie. Him and, Ken, and, him and Kenny Clark with, with Rajon Gary with his hand down. Preston Smith, if you want to put his hand down. Let him just go wreak havoc because he is very athletic, and with the and the Packers do like guys who have the longer limbs. They like the wingspan. They like long arms, and that because that could help even it's not it's almost six four with a with a eighty four and three quarter inch wingspan. That's going to disrupt passing lanes as well. So even if he doesn't get to the quarterback, get his hands up, knock it down, tip it, whatever. That, that's a that's another underrated trait that. Most defensive linemen don't have either the on-field awareness or the physical wingspan to do so consistently. And that that's a huge part of, of stopping modern offenses, especially these pass-heavy schemes. 
that you're going to be seeing, a guy like that could be very useful. No, there's the fact that his wing arms are that long definitely allows him to get into passing lanes. That's he didn't have any pass breakups this past season. He had three this year prior. When you can't, what we always hear every single every single time a defensive lineman breaks up a pass. When especially a lot from savvy veterans like Calais Campbell is the one that I always think of. Oh, I'm not going to get to the quarterback. Guess what? My arms are going up. And granted, Calais Campbell's like six eight, so he's got a little bit more of a reach, but so nearly six four and super long arms, eighty four and three quarters. That's he's going to Winfrey will be able to cause a lot of problems for quarterbacks, especially shorter ones like Kyler Murray possibly, and guys that are trying to put passes over the middle. Winfrey is able to move up, move around the offense or the defensive line a little bit. He didn't play exclusively on the edge. He didn't play exclusively on the nose. He moved around because when you are as big as he is, you can move around a little bit. And also, he played at 290, but he he measured in at the combine at 303 pounds. Or that's that's what uh, he measured in at his pro day. That's what it was. 303 pounds at his pro day. So he did put on a little bit of weight while still having some explosiveness. Similar to Wyatt, who we kind of talked about earlier, he might be just a gap penetrating guy type uh, type guy early on, like in his first year. And as you said, on third down, you bring him in. He can he can rush the passer. He can cut. He can slash through gaps and just be disruptive that way. While you let other guys who have a little bit more seasoning in the run game kind of focus on the earlier downs. And I'm with you 100% away with all of that. So as we start to wrap things up, we'll keep it nice and short for you guys this week. At 22, outside of Jordan Davis, because I think we all can agree, Jordan Davis, if he's there at 22, you you run to the table with it. Of the other three guys, are you comfortable with any of them at 22? Wyatt. And at 28? He's the uh, – Wyatt, again. I'm not, not Right now, I'm not comfortable with either one of the other two guys in the top er, – or er, in the first round. I understand that there's a lot of love for uh, Travis Jones. I'm just not in that camp yet. Fair enough. I think Jones at 28 could be fine. I'm, yeah, Wyatt at 28, I think, again. I think Davis would be my only option at 22, just because I think how, if if all the other three guys are still there at 22, I think the board is actually moving pretty well for Green Bay to get maybe other spots, whether it's a safety receiver, maybe offensive tackle, things like that. So I think there might be better options around. But I think I think I can both agree, though. If Jordan Davis is there at 22, or even maybe even 20, you want to move up two spots, go get your giant. You don't let when you have the draft capital that Green Bay does. There's no excuse to be two spots away from a guy and not make the move. And I'm sure people will be like, "Oh, well, a team can try and move up, but that doesn't guarantee a trade." It's when when a guy like Jordan Davis is on the board who has a who has the potential to be a franchise guy for the next decade. You you go get that guy. As I said before, when you have a guy like Jordan Davis on your team or on on the board for you. You pick him and you make it make the scheme work. You don't you don't think about it. And if your scheme doesn't work, then your scheme's the problem. There are certain guys that fall into that category. There's just they're good. You need to figure out how to work with them. And if you can't figure it out, then it's your fault. It's not it's not the player's fault. Couldn't say it any better myself. So as we wrap things up, Gage, uh, where are you working on and where can people find you? As always, you can find me on Twitter at GBridgefordNFL. Uh, mostly doing uh, fantasy football content right now uh, for Rotoballer. Uh, also, some Denver Nuggets coverage. Obviously, the uh, playoffs are getting to ramp up uh, over at DenverStiffs.com. And there also may or may not be a podcast coming from me covering the Denver Nuggets. 
Uh, stay tuned to my Twitter for that in the next. Uh, on social media, you can find me at Mike Wetland. It's all one word. As a broadcaster, I will be at ZaleskiSports.com, covering a lot of baseball and soccer this spring. I just actually covered two baseball games down in Whitewater, Wisconsin, today before we I came back to record this with Gage. So you can find all that at ZaleskiSports.com. Uh, I write for Wisconsin Sports Heroics, covering the Milwaukee Brewers as baseball season's underway. Not a great start for the crew. They're 0-2. But, of course, a lot of season left to go there as we're only in April. And, of course, follow us at Packaday Podcast on all social media platforms. Follow the YouTube channel uh, at Packaday Podcast. Andy's done great work there with the video, along with everyone helping him out, whether it's uh, Jacob, uh, Mike Wallace, been up there, Rachel Hotmeyer, everyone there has done a really, really great job. And, of course, on all your favorite podcast platforms, we are there as the Packaday Podcast. So for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wendland saying so long, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Just a couple weeks away from draft night, and we'll see who was there at 22 and at 28, and maybe even earlier if the Packers make a couple of moves. So from all of us here at the Packaday Podcast, everyone, stay cool, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go. of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces plus 24 7 customer support his venue never misses a beat call quickgranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done